podcast 15, five reasons why you should keep your life private. Guys, welcome back to the EK BJJ podcast. By now, you probably all know who I am and what I do. And if you don't, go back and check out the other 14 podcasts and you'll get a very good idea. Firstly, I really appreciate you all joining me here and listening in. As always, I get super excited each Friday when it's time to drop the newest podcast and get all of the questions and feedback. I mean, it's really heartfelt and it's really, really appreciated. Now, the reason I started this podcast was not only to push myself, but to bring my message to the table and, of course, to add value to people's lives and my own company. Like most people, I've been down an interesting path in my life. I've experienced a lot of things, some good, some not so good. I've always tried to take the good from each lesson and always learn from the bad. So firstly, a very, very warm welcome to everyone listening. As I always say, if you like the show and find value in it, share it, subscribe to it, and please, please, please feel free to leave a review. I would also ask you one simple thing this week, and that is share this podcast with a friend, maybe a family member, or even introduce someone to jujitsu. Introduce them to the academy where you train at and let them know the benefits that you get from jujitsu and how they could too um, get those benefits. Also, don't forget to follow uh, me on all social media outlets. Uh, For this podcast, it's at EKBJJ podcast. And for my own Instagram, it's EKBJJ. I also want to give a big shout out to our Atama Europe family for supporting us, not only through the pandemic, last year and the year before but for supplying us with our collaboration academy kimonos it's much much appreciated and you can find them at atamakimonos.com so lately i've been thinking a lot about privacy and what that means to me and what it looks like to me and why you should consider your privacy as a priority when i set up this podcast I never ever wanted it to be solely about jiu-jitsu. I wanted it to be a, a lifestyle podcast. And by doing the conversations that I do, I wanted, to, I wanted to take the podcast into many, many different areas, but also explore, well, explore many areas, but also try and share jiu-jitsu through a different outlet, as well as just at the academy where I teach at. I didn't only want it to be about BJJ. I wanted it to be about vulnerability, openness, honesty, integrity. I wanted to go and explore lots of different areas um, and kind of do it through my own eyes. Things that I've had in my own experience. And, you know, share as I always do. But anyway, here we are in 2022. And man, let me tell you this. For the first 14 days of this year, it has been insane for me. And, and that's not even a joke. It has been insane. Um, as I spoke about in previous podcasts, some of you who would have heard it was I was refur- refurbishing my academy all over the Christmas holiday. Now, yes, I had a lot of help from some of the students within that academy and the other part of the admin team here and my family were in there helping me um, refurb the academy and get it prepared for 22 for 2022 and we hit this year like a comet we really have the student um, attendance has grown the classes have grown the general vibe in the academy is amazing at the moment 
we're adding classes constantly. Uh, we've got a lot of instructors coming through, so I'm extremely happy. But when we talk about insane, I just want to say a quick rest in peace to one of our jujitsu brothers, if you like, who passed away recently and suddenly, um, Professor Nick Brooks from Mill Hill uh, BJJ Academy here in London. Last weekend, or the weekend just gone, I was very honoured to be a guest uh, instructor at a seminar which was put together in London in memory of Nick and to raise money for the foundation, if you like, that, that he and his family, the legacy that he's left behind. And man, it was amazing to not only being the presence of so many great black belts from the UK and all over, but just to reconnect with amazing, amazing individuals, especially one of my very, very first instructors, uh, Mark Warder. And I got, to, I got to spend some time with Mark, although very briefly, we had a really nice conversation. And, you know, I said this to Mark, and, I, and I'll put it out there. I said to Mark, listen, when I first came to you and started training, it was you that kind of set me on the, the path to being able to make a living from, from this art, from jujitsu. And being around Mark and seeing what Mark did and wanting to do that sent me on my own path led me to Brazil and to train with the Gracies and all the rest of that stuff. And I just wanted to kind of let him know. I just felt that was the right time. And it was a heartfelt message and he felt that message. So it was so good to connect with Mark, um, connect with Dickie Martin, someone who I'd fought in an absolute division 10 years ago. One of the, the UK's most decorated champions, an incredible jiu-jitsu player. So yeah, although the weekend was... It was for an amazing course, and it was an uh, amazing course, but it was very, very sad that we were all came together to remember Nick and, um, you know, to pay our condolences and also give back to the community. And big shout out to Alan Sequeira as well, who arranged it all. Another good friend of mine. Um, so yeah, very, very, very good course. When I'm talking about Insane also this year, has our Prime Minister messed up or not. I mean, that has to be one of the most craziest things that I'm hearing in the news at the moment, that while we were all locked up, the Prime Minister was having parties and getting drunk and all of that stuff, while people were suffering here in the UK. And I think there's going to be a massive turnaround soon or a massive backlash of some sort. You know, I, I also... You know, there's so much going on in the news at the minute. It's, it's just insane. We're 14 days into this this, this year and, and we're so overwhelmed with it. Also this year, I, I learned some very harsh truths about life recently. Um, some things that I went through, some growth that I had to go through, um, some stuff that, that made me have, uh, that made me recall back some, some old memories that I thought I'd, I'd got rid of. But, but yeah, listen, Live life, man. Enjoy. But anyway, with all of that said, with all of that said, let's get into today's episode. Um, a few weeks ago, I heard about an incident that took place in a jiu-jitsu academy about a female who joined the academy. And after a few weeks of being there, as in all jiu-jitsu schools, they're all very friendly. She became friends with, a, with an individual who was frequenting the, the gym as much as she was. So they became friends, they started this journey, 
as friends. Friends became training partners. And this individual began to make advances to her. Now, he did this advancing stuff under a, under a disguise. Obviously, he came dressed as a sheep, but really was a wolf. And from what I understand, he asked her for her phone number or, or something. They began exchanging messages. Then he began to jump into the Instagram DMs. And then he began to comment on pictures. And what, what was always, what all started out to be friendly, actually turned into something very sinister, where it ended up him stalking her, her fearing for her life, relocating after all of this was said and done. And, and now there's a court case pending. So on hearing that, I thought, hmm, privacy. Now, myself too, I'm out in the public eye. As you know from Instagram, you know, I have quite a large following on Instagram. My social media presence is quite large. Um, and I'm surprised sometimes when people recognize me because, you know, I just consider myself as a teacher of martial arts. But people recognize, you know, they take note of what I'm posting. So I'm very careful with what I post. And, you know, people are always interested in what you're doing. Now, these same people, not everyone, they're some of the nicest people. I've met some really, really decent humans and connected with them through Instagram. I've also met some some, some morons on there because it, with this social media surge, every everyone is open game. Everyone is open target. Everyone's life is on Instagram or on Twitter or on other social media, but it's all out there. So for me, with the incidents I've had, I always have an open door policy in my academy. And I tell you this wholeheartedly. There is not one of these bums that would come into my academy and put on a pair of gloves and spar with me. There's not what a fight. There's not one of them. They'll shoot their shots through 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 the internet, but will never ever ever show up and uh, and get on the mat. And I have that open door policy. Now I'm not saying I wouldn't get beat up. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm just saying, for all of the drama that goes on see things for what it is but these are all reasons for you guys to take note of what I'm saying especially when it comes to jiu-jitsu because this was quite close to jiu-jitsu or it was in jiu-jitsu and it's something that I'm very very cautious of so keeping keeping yourself private I'm going to go through some ideas and concepts that I use um, and then Leave it out there and I'll summarize at the end. And, and if it serves, if you find value in it, share it. So firstly, I'm going to talk about a very, very good thing that I've learned and been reinforced recently is not everyone you meet is your friend. And when I say that, everyone has their own definition of what a friend is, what a friend does. Now, I'm notorious for keeping people away from me, keeping people on the outside of my circle, not letting too many people in. Once bitten, twice shy definitely comes to mind. Um, I keep all of my family's pictures off of off of um, social media as well as I can. I keep my daughter's profiles off of social media, and other family members. I keep asking to keep themselves off social media because if they're tagging me in stuff, there's always links and, and you can connect. It's like a web. So not everyone is your friend. You can't trust just anyone with information about your personal life or personal things that happen in it, within it. Even some of your so-called friends are probably going to be gossiping. 
Um, some of them, some people just love to ruin lives. This alone, for me, is a reason that I keep my life as private as possible. Now, within all of that, there's so many factors. There are so many factors. I don't trust a lot of people, although when I get to know people, I give them 100% of my trust. As mad as that sounds, I'm, I get to know them, but I don't want to cut myself short either. I don't want to shortchange anyone. But there are warning signs that I take heed of. You know, they're massive warning signs. You can't trust just anyone. I very rarely tell people what's going on in my life, even those closest to me, because it has been used against me before. And people have their own motives when, um, you know, if you fall out with them, what they do. And, and like, like I always say to people, just be careful. Loose lips sink ships. Keep your life private. You know, if you're going on holiday, don't post pictures of you sunbathing on a beach when people know, you know, I have a lot of very wealthy people around me. I have a lot of influencers around me. When they go on holiday, I always say to them, listen, be careful about posting while you're away because while you're away, someone knows where you live. Someone knows what car you drive. Someone knows what watch you wear just from your Instagram post. They see you away and, you know, it's open pickings for them. Now, unfortunately with this girl, what happened was someone, who, the person who befriended her was actually stalking her Instagram. And he knew through, it's called, I think, geo geotagging or metadata or something like that. I'm not familiar with the actual term, but he could pick out where she was, where she checked in. It's like the old Facebook check-in stuff. Be so careful. So yeah, don't trust everyone to be your friend because they're not, not everyone is your friend. Point number two is you will not owe anyone anything, any explanations or anything to do with your privacy by exposing your personal life basically your personal life gives everyone a front row seat to your show and invites their opinions living a private life you get to keep your business to yourself and you certainly don't feel like you owe anyone any explanations now lots of incidents come to mind with that lots and lots of in, of, of of things come to mind the incident i had a little while, while back a lot of people were asking me um, for an explanation you know what happened you know did did you get into a fight with this guy did this you know and it's it's really uncomfortable sometimes because I use my social media platform more as a marketing outlet and to connect with people around around the world um, I've connected with people in Miami who see the vision we have who, who see the value that we have sorry in a collar I keep saying Miami but in a collar and they connect and they join with us and, and we begin a journey. Now, I do it for multiple reasons. My whole account is based on a business premise. It's a way for me to market my academy, market my products that I'm selling, market any seminars that I'm doing, or even pose, um, pose out there for anyone who wants to book me for a seminar. Lots and lots of things. Now, you wouldn't believe the amount of messages I get. I would say 90% of those messages are good messages from decent human beings who just want to reach out and, and chat, who just want to reach out for advice, who, who just have questions. And that was the reason I kicked off this podcast, because people were asking me stuff privately on Instagram. 
And I thought, what better way than, than to put it out there so everyone can benefit from it? Because if one person's asking that question, everyone's going to be, a, you know, or, or a multitude of people will be looking for answers to those questions. So that was that reason. Now, when I said you will not owe anyone any explanations, I meant that by when when I put stuff out there, whether it's thoughts and feelings, people message me and say, are you okay? And, and 99.9% of the time, it's a random thought or a random feeling that I'm just putting out there because I heard the saying or I was feeling like this at the moment. And I'm talking about, I'm on a very, very low level of stuff when it comes to um, internet presence or with, you know, I don't like the word notable figure because I'm not, but it's becoming more and more apparent that more and more people are taking note of my brand, of what I'm doing, what I'm saying, where I am, um, who I'm with, lots and lots of stuff. And also going back to that jiu-jitsu incident, even right there, you know, so especially for our lady jiu-jitsu practitioners, this is something you may you may want to consider, you know, so be mindful. Um, be mindful with your privacy. So you will not owe anyone any explanations, number two. Number three, I do this for a peaceful mind, okay? I went private, not private, I didn't close my account or anything, my, my accounts are all open. I didn't go private, but I gave things more thought for a peaceful mind. Um, feeling inadequacy and dissatisfaction resulting from social comparison, cause depression and anxiety. Privacy removes the stress of waiting for validation from others and you no longer care what people think of your life since they don't know anything about it. So privacy can be for a peaceful mind. You could go private for a peaceful mind. A lot of people do social media detoxing. Now, I'm considering doing a detox from social media. A lot of people do this, they go away, leave it for two weeks and come back. And that's that's great, you know. I spend a lot of time. My screen time on my on my phone horrified me the other week when I realized how much time I'm actually putting into my phone. You know, going back to our podcast on bad habits. I wake up in the morning, lots of messages, lots of likes, lots of comments, lots of questions. And I like to respond to people out there. I like that communication, I like that conversation. And I like the fact that people are feeling the vibe that I'm putting out and the message. So for me, it's 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 for peace of mind more than anything. Now, my at ekbjj Instagram is my business one. My at ekbjj podcast is my business one. I don't have a private um, Instagram account. I don't have a personal one. My whole life is there on Instagram. You'll see it all. You'll see my thoughts, feelings, and everything that goes with it. So, we could go private for for a peaceful mind. Um, Number four, I would say, more safety. You could put yourself private or hide yourself away a little bit or cover what you're doing a little bit, bit more for more safety. A private life is a happy life. We all know this. But also, it's a safe life, especially, especially when you're meeting people for the first time. The less you share about your day online, the safer you will be. It's now easier 
than ever for stalkers, identity thieves, and hackers to threaten people's lives with all the info that we freely share every single day and we don't even realize we're sharing it. Facebook, again, Instagram, Twitter, live videos, selfie pictures, you name it, we are um, sharing it. Now, I'm a creature of habit. I'm not a hard person to find. I, If you wanna find me, you pick up the schedule of my academy and you look at the class times and you'll find me right there. You know, I'm not a hard person to find. So if people can do that with me because I'm an, I have an online business uh, or an on, online presence, people can do that with you as an individual, as a, you know, people scan the internet, they will scan your account They'll look for, for things. They'll look for check-ins. They'll look for where you are. I don't know if you even know this, but if you set up other accounts on your Instagram, they pop up to your followers as suggested accounts. Insane. Insane. So more safety. You know, safety is a big, big one here. And we're talking about privacy. Privacy and safety, to me, go hand in hand. I also say... For the fifth one, fifth and final one is better relationships. Privacy gives you a chance to focus on what really matters. You can form more genuine bonds with friends and family and only allow a small, small circle of people you trust into your world. It's better to share and connect with a few people who, are, who genuinely care and are genuine. Now, I learned this the hard way. I used to have a massive open presence on my Instagram. Um, and people took pictures and used them and, and all the rest of that stuff that goes with it. Um, and now I'm a little more conscious of what I post. I'm a little more conscious of what I post. And I'm also looking to build and form better relationships with people. So, so I do that. And, and you should too. You know, We should be careful with what we're posting, what information we're giving out. If you join a jiu-jitsu academy and... You know, you're a girl. That can, that can be a daunting experience. You know, for for women in my academy, we try to have an inclusive academy where we're all looking out for each other. And me as an instructor, when when a female student comes in, I like to watch the crowd. I like to watch how people react to them. Now we're all friendly people, but we also are aware, and we can be aware when students can push over the mark. We're all from different cultures and different backgrounds, and and whatever. Our cultural background is the way we treat people may be very differently on that level. But I watch over this all of the time. I've recently, the last month, been teaching the beginners class because our beginners instructor has been away. And I've learned so much from that beginner class, so many different personalities and different people that I hadn't ever met before. Um, and they all knew me. I walked into the academy and everyone's like, oh, it's, it's the guy and blah, blah, blah. It's the main instructor. And it's very, very odd situation for me because I am quite a private person. And, you know, trying to mask my privacy has proved very difficult in a sense of the business that I operate and run works like that. So I understand when a female comes into the academy and she's like, hey, you know, I just want to join up, take a class. And she takes a class and, and friendships form. Next thing they're exchanging Instagram, because nowadays, from what I'm figuring out, people don't ask for people's 
phone numbers, they ask for their Instagram account or their Snapchat account or, or whatever it is, and they connect via that. Now, all of these accounts are set up by telephone numbers. So there has to be, I don't know the way, there has to be some way that they can figure out your phone number through your Snapchat and before you know it, people are in your DMs and all sorts of stuff is going on. Um, so yeah, privacy. Very, very careful with it. Now let me summarize what I'm saying about privacy. Living a private life doesn't mean you should push people away or never open up about your feelings or even be isolated. It involves choosing carefully what details of your personal life you're comfortable sharing and whom you decide to share that with. That doesn't mean you share it with everyone. Some people, they, they meet someone and immediately think, oh, this person's my friend because they just talk. They're not. Okay, Friendships are built over long periods of time and trust is a massive, massive, massive thing when it comes to friendships. The better the friendship, the deeper the trust, the deeper the conversations, the more of you you show. When I first meet people, I keep my cards very close to my chest and I, and I watch them. Are they gossiping about other people when they talk to me? Are they... Are, you know, are they telling me other people's business? Are they telling other people other people's business? Because there's always a couple of things I think about when that happens. One is if they start telling me someone else's business, I always think, firstly, why are you telling me? Why are you telling me this? And secondly, what even makes you comfortable to come over here and tell me that? Those are two questions that I always ask myself. And, you know, alarm bells ring with me very, very quickly very quickly when it comes to this stuff um, especially the not everyone is your friend strategy that I apply to, every, to to most things like I said you can't trust anyone but that doesn't mean sorry you can't trust everyone but that doesn't mean you can't trust anyone you have to guard information very very you know carefully especially about yourself you've seen things happen so many times so guys with that said, it's a very brief podcast, I know. It's 10 to 1 in the morning here in London, and as usual, my week has been so jam-packed that I'm recording the podcast, and it's Friday the 14th. The podcast goes out in around 8 hours, and um, I won't be going to sleep till around 3am today because I have a lot of work to catch up with. But I made a commitment to doing these podcasts, and I will honour that commitment, as I always do. And every Friday without fail, 9am at EKBJJ Podcast will be dropping. Guys, watch your privacy. Guard what you tell people very carefully. And don't ever feel pressured that you should be exchanging information. Watch out for the warning signs of people gossiping about other people's information or secrets. Because if they're gossiping about theirs, they're going to be gossiping about yours. That's all I have for you this week, guys. Next week, we're going to go down the rabbit hole a little bit deeper. I'm getting more and more confident with these podcasts, making less notes and, you know, trying to build a lifestyle podcast. I really appreciate your your, your support, guys. I appreciate the questions you shoot, shoot at me on social media. And I hope 2022 has been a good start for you guys. Hope to see you guys soon, either on the mats at the Academy or reach out to me through social media. That's all I have for you today, guys. Take care.
Till next time. Guys, welcome to the EK BJJ podcast. My name is Eddie Cohn and I'm the host and founder of this show. I hope you're all doing well. This podcast is designed to give you the tools and strategies to grow through your jiu-jitsu journey and I'm here to share and serve you, the listener. If you're new here, welcome. And if you've been following us already, a big, big thank you from me. Today I have one thing to ask you. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe to it and share it, especially if you find value in it. Also, while I'm on the subject, I put out a lot of content through my various platforms so you can reach me from my online training courses to this podcast and of course my social media sites. And I would really, really appreciate it if you guys left me a rating and a review. That would be really helpful for me and for the content that I put out. With that said, today I really wanted to talk to you guys about jiu-jitsu and mental health because right now mental health has really become such a talking point, especially after these past two years. It seems to have become more prevalent, I guess, with the COVID outbreaks and people perhaps being thrown together with their husbands, wives, significant others. Maybe like myself, Losing your whole social circle of friends, almost losing my business uh, and losing my physical outlet and ultimately dealing with mental health issues. Now, I too in my life have been depressed. I've been downtrodden, beat up. And I found myself in some of the darkest places that you as a person could ever find yourself in. Now, I've had things that have happened to me, which, you know, have been pretty bad in my life. But I've also managed to kind of pull myself through. And trust me, it wasn't easy to fall or to come out of a place of despair. But I also, you know, know that it's possible to do that. Before I get into today's conversation on on mental health, I just want to add this disclaimer. And that is, that I am not a qualified doctor or qualified in anything when it comes to diagnosing mental health, okay? I don't have any qualifications in that and I want to make that absolutely clear off the bat. The points I'm raising and talking about today are my own observations and they come from my experience, um, from from dealing with mental health issues myself and, and seeing it around other people. So if you're suffering with any of the above mentioned symptoms, make sure that you reach out to someone for qualified help, someone who can diagnose and treat those symptoms. There are many, many people out there. There are also helplines. And if you're feeling like that, then I suggest that that is the way you go. Now, with that disclaimer said, the topic of today, as we discussed, is is jujitsu beneficial or is it good for mental health and i would say in my own from my own opi- uh, opinion and my own experience that it absolutely is for the last 15 years i have met people from different walks of life different backgrounds different cultures different religions different financial statuses different statuses in general 
But one thing I can tell you, which they all have in common, is that they're people. They're people like you and I, and they're people that suffer with the same emotions, the same fears, the same challenges in life that we all go through. But they are people just like you and I. Now, when you join a jiu-jitsu class, you will undoubtedly get to know people. And those people or people who will support you, uplift you, push you, and will even make lifelong friends to you when you join a good jiu-jitsu school. And I guess we all need someone at some point to hold us accountable and keep us in a good mental state. Now, when I joined the jiu-jitsu school that I did, I felt all of the above. It was a very daunting experience for me going into a strange place with strangers of different sizes and, and different abilities who were, let's be honest, intent of pulling off my arms and legs and, and choking me out. Now, of course, everyone is on their own journey and on their own path. But the single denominator in my situation was jiu-jitsu. And that became my bond with most of, most of these people. Now, although we're, we're all on our own journey, it does not mean that we cannot help each other to get further down our own path. So for myself, I began looking around, if I go back to the very beginning, if you like, I began looking around the company I was keeping at the time. I looked around those that I allowed into my circle and those I chose to spend time with. And what I realized was within my own peer group that I could not find anyone who I could trust enough to go on my journey with. I felt the people in my life at that time were not focused on anything, nor did they have any intention to be. And I knew I had to find my own way. And I had to find my own direction, which, you know, growing up around 15 to 18 years old and realizing that was a, was a very, very tough call for me to make. I knew that I wanted something more for my life, you know, to be challenged more and to produce better results. And I found that jujitsu for me ticked the majority of the boxes, especially when it came to a balanced mental state. And I use jujitsu as, as the, the common denominator, one, because the podcast is not only about jujitsu, but it's about lifestyle. It's about topics and, of life and current affairs. But we can relate all of it to jujitsu. So that was one of my first things that I did. I looked around at my peer group and realized that we're all on our own journey. Some of them were on their own journey and were very selfish with that. And if I fast forward to where I am now, and I look back at those times spent, some of my friends then have gone on to do some incredible things, and some of them haven't. And fortunately for me, the ones that haven't were, were the ones that I decided to move away from. I, I realized this at a very, very early age. And once I'd gone through that stage in 2002, after starting to, to train jiu-jitsu in, in 1996, um, I began sharing jiu-jitsu. I was that in love with it and had seen the transformation or the, transformi the transformative impacts that it had on me and my life. 
I wanted to share the wonderful benefits of the amazing art with everyone that I came in contact with. I would talk to people about it um, and they had no idea what I was talking about. They would look at me like I was crazy. You know, I'm talking to them about jujitsu and training and how it's different to every other martial arts. And, and back then, of course, there were the times of wanting to prove it. We'd just seen Hoyce in 93 come out in the UFC and wreck everyone. And, you know, being a blue belt, you know, I believe that I could do that. Um, so I'd bump into people, people at where I used to work and, and try and, you know, sway them into it. And um, some worked, some didn't. The one thing that stuck out to me was the amazing way that jiu-jitsu brings people together from different cultures, backgrounds, and all walks of life with no bias, with absolutely no bias in what people look like, what their appearance is, what their social or economic status is, who they vote for. When they come onto the tatami mat and they come into the academy, we're just there to train. You know, the slogan of my academy that I like to use a lot is many in body, one in mind. Now, in 2002, I began sharing. I didn't have a school then. My first academy opened in 2004 and it was at a leisure centre. It was actually Wanstead Leisure Centre in, in London where I would have, have to arrive early uh, before class, twice a week it was back then, pick up all of the two metre by one metre tatami judo mats. And if you've ever picked up one of these rubber foam mats, they don't look heavy, but if you're picking up 30 or 40 of them and laying them out, they're extremely heavy. So I would lay these mats out. I'd place them out in, in an order that I, I felt would be right before every session. Then I would teach, spar with the guys, train a little, train hard sometimes, train not hard sometimes, and then put each mat back on the trolley that they came from after each session. And let me tell you, that was no joke. That thing was was back-breaking work. So I'd do this two or three times a week. I don't actually remember how many classes we had. I, I believe it was two, it may have been three. Um, and so for me, I knew what I wanted when I eventually opened my own academy. I knew that I wanted a dedicated place where people from all backgrounds, male and female, could attend and train together in a supportive, friendly and learning environment. And thank God today, that's what we've created. Now, as someone who was previously diagnosed and prescribed medication uh, to help deal with my own anxiety and uh, PTSD, I knew what the benefits of jujitsu could do for others if taught the right way. Jiu-jitsu for me was a crutch. It was a, a training aid and a lifeline when I developed my own situations. When I was in a, a dark place, I mean, once you go into that dark place, and I'm sure a lot of us, maybe who are listening to the podcast, I'm not the only one, who has, who's, who has gone through those issues of mental health and there's such a stigma attached to it. And, you know, when you go into these places and you, and you realize that you're not alone, that there is help out there. And the, the big thing for me was that, you know, I felt like I was different from everyone else, that I was, you know, straight up, well, I'm stranger than most people, but stranger in a sense of what I was suffering. Now, thank God I didn't have um, long-term PTSD. I mean, I still now have some 
sometimes I'll, I'll go back into that state, but I, I can recognize it and I can snap out of it. And it was affecting me in lots and lots of different ways, everything from mood swings to isolation, to being on my own, to shutting myself away and becoming almost reclusive, having no energy and not wanting to um, you know, progress further, even down to suicidal thoughts. And a lot of people um, maybe don't see that in me because of the person I am today, because of what I've been through to come to the point I am. But I attribute a lot of what I went through, a lot of what helped me grow and, and growth was, I, I placed that down to jiu-jitsu. It was a place where I could go and train. I wasn't judged by anyone. Um, the exercise in there really helped me. And, and that's a medically proven thing that exercise helps people. Now, if you are suffering with, with any of those symptoms and, and you're, you're maybe not diagnosed or you are diagnosed, one of the biggest things you can do is exercise. And, and for a couple of reasons. When you exercise, you're naturally getting the blood pumping around the body. You're naturally moving. Now, I'm not saying you should go and start working out and doing crazy workouts. It can be something as simple as just taking a walk, just coming out of your house and taking a walk. That was the big thing for me. The big thing for me was facing the world and everything in it. So I would leave the house sometimes and go for a walk. And it, it started off with just a very brief walk. And I can remember constantly keeping my hood up and just not wanting to interact with anyone in the public, but just just walking. And then the walk suddenly became a longer walk. And then I'd find different different things that, that kind of made me feel good on that walk. I can remember one of the biggest things for me was um, walking past a playground. Um, what do you call them? Like an adventure playground. I don't know what they're called now. And there were kids on swings and climbing around. And it was just hearing the joyful laughter of these kids that, that kind of sparked something in me. And that to me was one of the big things. Now the, there's a negativity cycle here. And each person is different. Everyone has different things and different triggers and, and all the rest of it. But for me, initializing that, that first walk and then turning that walk into a jog and the jog into a run and then in, interacting with people. That was another one for me. Being able to interact with people where now those who know me know that if I walk into a room, I'm very confident, very calm. And, you know, I can kind of, win the room basically when I walk into that and that's taken a very very long time and again I attribute that down to the confidence that came from jiu-jitsu now some people are not confident at all if you're not confident take a jiu-jitsu lesson in two or three weeks when you realize the the power that you have through jiu-jitsu because it's a lifestyle it's bigger than just a martial art and and I very rarely refer to it as a sport I don't see jiu-jitsu as a sport I see it as a combat art and if it's taught right, when the body and mind and spirit, they, they, they're in sync and you realize that you are vulnerable, that you can let everything go on the mat, you suddenly become at peace with yourself. Now, through my years of training, of course, I've subdued men two times my size who were untrained on the mat. I've also been subdued by people smaller than me, women. And that's a really, really humbling experience. But for my mental health issues, 
jiu-jitsu helped me battle through that. It was an outlet for me. It was exercise for me. It was a combination of meeting new people, understanding new people, and them understanding me and not judging me because we were all there with one common denominator, which was jiu-jitsu. So when I said I knew that jiu-jitsu was an aid or a crutch for me, I meant it for the following reasons, because I've made lifelong friends in jiu-jitsu. And those lifelong friends, one of the things I recall and remember the most was that they respected my emotions. Like when I'd be in there and I'd have an outburst or I'd feel a certain way. Like sometimes I would pull up outside the jiu-jitsu academy in my car. I'd walk to the academy and then I just wouldn't go train. I'd just go sit in my car for a while. I just could not face the world. I could not face those people in there. And I always say this. I said this to my daughter very recently. She said to me, Daddy, listen, I was in school and they wanted me to do this jump and I couldn't do the jump, you know, um, because I was afraid of the people laughing at me or people looking at me because I couldn't do it. And I said to her, honey, listen to me. It's okay to be afraid. It's absolutely fine to be afraid, but it's not okay to let the fear consume you. It's not okay to let that fear stop your progress. If you're afraid of what people are saying, we can work with that. But once fear takes hold of you, once fear gets the better of you, it's very difficult to turn that around. Now, that's coming from a real place, someone who's who's felt real fear and anxiety and everything that comes with that. It's come from a real place. And, you know, even talking about this, I, five years ago, I couldn't speak about this. I couldn't be this vulnerable. I couldn't be this open. Um, but now... Because of what I'm doing, because of my journey, because of my vision, because of where I'm going, I'm happy to share this stuff in hopes that it benefits even one person, that someone picks up this podcast and gives it a listen and they get something from it. So going back to what I was saying, um, that I made lifelong friends in jiu-jitsu was because they respected my emotions. Now, no relationship can be healthy without respecting feelings and emotions. That, that's one of my strongest beliefs when it comes to friendship, that you have to respect each other's feelings and emotions. You can't have a healthy relationship without respecting people's feelings in our lives and having them reciprocate by respecting our feelings. You, you, it just doesn't work. There has to be a two-way street. Now, being a jiu-jitsu instructor now and having my own school, I know that people... All different types of people come into the academy and each one of them is different. Now, I have to wear multiple different caps as a figure of speech for each person that comes into the academy. I have to get to know these people on a personal level. They have to trust me. I have to trust them, not only with themselves, but with the other students. And I also have to be aware of their emotions and how they feel. And if someone's come in and they've had a really bad day, do I really want to place that person sparring on the mat where, you know, they could injure themselves, injure someone else, or, or perhaps even worse, a fight could break out in the academy. So I have to take all of these things into consideration. I also have to be a social worker. Um, I have to be a mentor. I have to be someone they can burden their problems to because of that trust element. And I also have to be someone who doesn't gossip around the academy and spread rumors and these things about people because often people come to me with a problem looking for a solution 
But when they come with a problem, I always say to them, stop. If that's the problem, don't bring that problem to me. Bring the solution and then we can work on the problem together. So find your own solution. You're probably going to find that this, you have the solution. You just need me as, or whoever you talk to as someone who will confirm that that would be the right thing or the right way to go about your situation. So, you know, respecting, it, respecting emotions. That's a big one that I got from jiu-jitsu. Um, the other things that I got from there, which were beneficial to me, were I enjoyed getting to know people personally, and they too enjoyed getting to know me. Now, when you get to know each other personally, mutual respect grows. Spending time in those kind of environments or in that jujitsu environment or any environment with other people creates a bond and it also creates a sense of trust. Now, those issues there, the bond, the, the spending time together and the sense of trust, those are big things because that allows you to open up. That allows you to have an outlet to talk to somebody. You have a common denominator, which is jujitsu. And you spend so much time in such close proximity trying to, you know, literally dissect the anatomy of each other while you're training that it, it creates a sense of trust. It just naturally does. We, we naturally bond. Like I've met some people, I haven't seen them in years. And when I see them through jujitsu, it's like we've been training together our whole life. So it's great for that. It's great for that mental balance in that part. Um, I also found in the gym, in the, in the academy, and in my academy too, that I never needed to hide anything from my friends that I'd made there, my true friends. I felt that I had an outlet there that, you know, when you share everything with them, it helps with expressing your needs and ident identity without fear. So I could talk to them, you know, obviously after bonding with them and trusting them, I could talk to them about most things and, and I wasn't in fear of being ridiculed or, you know, them thinking, yeah, this guy's a, a, a nutcase or something like that. It also leads to more trust in each other and better trust leads to more confidence. Now, that's the cycle of, or especially in jujitsu, that we're becoming so confident that we lose our sense of fear. We understand what fear is, but we also know how to deal with fear. We know how to embrace it. And we know that we're confident enough within ourselves to go forward and do that, to face those fear, those fears, to express how we actually feel. Because jujitsu is very expressive. You know, if you see two people training together and you can see the egos come out, you can see someone who's very calm, you can see under, under pressure, you can see someone who's, who panics, you know, there's all kinds of things there that, that I read when I'm on the mat, when I'm watching some of the, the students train together. Now, inside the academy, it's, there's so many energy, so many different vibes and so many different people that, that are in there that you can't help but, but feel these, this energy from them. So, you know, I, I really enjoy, I really enjoyed that I never, or I still enjoy that I, I never need to hide anything from my real friends and my friends that I've made along the way that are lifelong friends. Um, I'm also comfortable being myself around them, which was another one. You know, I could be comfortable around them. 
in my academy. I'm a strong advocate, firm advocate in everyone is welcome there and, and everyone should be able to train regardless of age, religious background, um, ability, sexual orientation. You know, I'm pretty sure in my academy that I have straight people, gay people, bisexual people, and they're not judged in the slightest. We, we welcome them with open arms and we give them and share with them the brotherly and sisterly love that we always have done um, with everyone. And, and that's so important that they too can be comfortable um, within themselves and around me and around the other students. And, and I mean that so that they're not, so that they can be without vulnerability um, and that way the relationships will never struggle. You know, we can express our insecurities and in doing so, I believe that builds trust, closeness and a sense of belonging. Relationships will not thrive without it. You, you know, when you expose yourself to someone and you're open, in return, you know, they accept your vulnerability, making you feel safe. Even me now talking about, you know, my mental health issues, talking about my vulnerability, um, talk, you know, expressing myself through this podcast, does it make me feel vulnerable? Of course it does, you know, but I'm confident enough to do that. You know, anything we put out can be scrutinized and can be, you know, you can be kicked around and thrown under the bus and there's all sorts of stuff that comes from it. But in the same time, I'm confident in myself, I'm confident within my abilities um, and I've been through a lot worse than what people can throw at me. So, you know, that's one of the things that, that I got from being in jiu-jitsu, that I was comfortable being myself around, around my friends. And, and they were comfortable with me being in that way. But I also found that people inside the academy where I trained and my academy right now respect people's boundaries. That's, that's a huge one for me. Because boundaries define who you are in a, in a relationship. Now, when we're talking about relationships, we're not talking husband and wife, boyfriend and girlfriend. We're talking strictly friends, you know, because a friendship is a relationship. And if you have those boundaries and your boundaries define who you are, they define uh, what you are and what you are not. And that's... That's a great boundary to have. Well, these are the boundaries. This is what's acceptable to me and this isn't, you know. And, and then within our friendship, this is acceptable and this isn't. The boundaries created in a relationship are meant to show you where you end and someone else begins. A relationship can't be healthy if clear boundaries are not established and respected. And, and you know, that's, that's really important when it comes to friendship, when it comes to the expression of you know, mental health, if you're feeling bad, if you're having a bad day, you know, all of these boundaries, the boundaries might be, listen, I'm telling you, do not gossip about it. Do not pass this information on. I'm, I'm entrusting you with this information. Um, and that's something else that I learned throughout my journey in jiu-jitsu. I also have learned through the relationships that I've built and the friendships that I've built within jiu-jitsu is that people are open and honest with me, and I am with them too. Open and honest communication leads more quickly to a mutual understanding and respect for differences in views. Also interests and needs. Now, recently I had a conversation in, in the academy with uh, 
with one of the students there. He's been there a very long time. And the conversation was about um, Black Lives Matter. It was a conversation which we had, and we both had our own opinions on that. We're both from different ethnic backgrounds. We both have different views on the police. We have different views on the government's approach to certain things that are happening within our communities. And you know what? We had an amazing conversation and I took stuff away from there that I'd never thought about. I took perspectives away that I'd never thought about. And we were both open and honest with what we were saying to each other. And I didn't offend him. He definitely didn't offend me because I'm always on a learning vibe rather than I'm a right, you know, I'm on, I'm always right. I'm not always right. And I'm, you know, open to all of these things. So yeah, we were open and honest and we respected each other's different views and their different interests and needs. Now, when you're in an open and honest um, relationship or friendship, the relationship gets stronger, better trust is formed and better life can be hoped. You know, and by that, what I mean is we can live in, in a harmonious state within that, that um, environment, that we both know each other's boundaries, we respect each other's boundaries and views, but we're able to discuss those points without offending each other or without upsetting or hurting each other's feelings. And I really, really appreciate that, those kind of conversations, you know, and where we both not getting it, you know, we're not pulling clumps out of each other, but we're listening and we're learning. And that teaches me a lot about people. And I think that that environment will also help me to grow as a person and help them to grow as a person. When two people are in any kind of relationship, um, it should help, it should help each other out in their own life. You know, we're meant to make things easier for each other not harder, we're meant to kind of help smooth things and make an easy path for people or for each other in that friendship because, <clears throat> excuse me, that will help help you grow and it's also a sign of a healthy relationship. It will last long enough or long into the future and our personal goals, goals don't need to be sacrificed and it also leads to a better understanding all round. So, <clears throat> excuse me, with, with all of that said, and my summary would be, does jiu-jitsu help with mental health? Absolutely. It helped me, it's helped many, many others. Um, I know the military groups in the UK, with a lot of people who are suffering with mental health issues, are adopting jiu-jitsu training as one of their exercise outlets for them. Um, like I said, I'm not qualified in any way. I'm just shedding some light upon the experience I have, what I've learned from jiu-jitsu and what I share um, inside my academy with, with the students there and the friendships formed. And, you know, it's not all pink and rosy. We're all going to have bad days. We're all going to have depressive moments. We're all going to have those dark places that we find ourselves in. But one thing is for sure, if you surround yourself in a positive um, environment with positive people and people who have that or those characteristics and traits which I, which I just listed out, then only positivity will come out of that. If we hide ourselves away and become negative and, and we're not open or we don't trust or we, 
all of these things, then we're limiting our outlet for help. We're limiting our outreach to be able to overcome these things. And it's not cool right now. You know, mental health seems to be trending. A lot of people losing their lives to it. And, you know, I found solace and I found sanctuary in jujitsu. And now I share that through my own jujitsu through my own school, because I know what that looks like. I know what that feels like. And I know what it's like to be in that that place. Now, a lot of people may never, ever go there. And great, good for you. Some people will. And, and from the estimates that we're looking at, the majority of men especially are suffering with this. I'm not sure why it's pushed mainly to men. But it seems from the stats I see, it, it's a lot of men that are suffering from mental health issues. I'm sure there are women out there with exactly the same symptoms and signs, but I don't know why that's the stats are so different. Um, so yeah, you know, if you can join a jujitsu school, exercise, it's massive. Even if it's just walking, walking for five minutes and then adding a minute each day, adding 30 seconds each day, it's all growth. Guys, listen, that's all I have for you for today. If you like what I'm doing here, please share. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe. And please don't forget you can find me on all social media sites with the handle at EKBJJ. It's been an absolute pleasure. I hope you guys got some value from this. If you have, please share. Please hit me up, message me. I enjoy it, even if it's for my own ego purpose. I enjoy all the messages. I'll try to reply to as many as you can. And uh, I'm truly, truly honored to be here expressing these, these feelings and these conversations. And, you know, I'm hoping in time to go further down the rabbit hole. Until next time, guys, be safe. Podcast 17. Eight tips to achieve anything you want in life. My friends, welcome here. Welcome back to the EK BJJ podcast. My name is Eddie Khan, and I'm glad to be here with you. Wherever you are in the world listening to this podcast, welcome. Man, what a strange time it is to be alive, really. The threat of Omicron still uh, still looms over us, and there's a strong possibility of a war breaking out in Europe as uh, Russia has apparently amassed 100,000 troops along the Ukrainian border. And the threat is that they will invade Ukraine and also potentially um, Belarus, which is border with Poland. Now, I use the word apparently because these days we never know what the truth is anymore, especially with the media reporting the stuff that they report and the way that they report it. Also in the last week in the UK, our Prime Minister has been dragged around, literally dragged through the dirt with scandal after scandal. And we are really unsure of the times we're in when it comes to our government. But no matter what happens, I will continue to bring you this podcast where I will discuss various topics as we go deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole, discussing Whatever it is I want to talk about or whatever it is I want to feel about talking about at the time. And as always, if you like this podcast, please share it with your friends or your family. And uh, if you get value from it, please share it. 
So this week I was talking with a friend of mine the other day and we were discussing our achievements from his business to our personal life to my business. We were sharing ideas and it was during that conversation it sparked this idea for this episode. Now if you're familiar with me and my background and my upbringing, I could possibly reel off a list of things that would all be excuses as to why I have, say, never made it in my life, or why I have less than others, etc., etc. But I'm not a victim, nor do I have a victim mentality. Everything I have in my life is because I get up and go to work for it. Every single day I get up and I go after it. I'm up early in the morning and I sleep late. To those who know me personally, will just check my WhatsApp and see what time I actually switch off or go to sleep. Now, during the uh, writing of this podcast, because some of you may not know this, but I script all of my podcasts. Um, I make a a sort of play-by-play points to hit during that podcast or this podcast. And just to make sure I don't miss any valuable points to yourselves out, because I'm one of those people that is very, very animated when I'm thinking about stuff and my brain engages and my, you know, I start writing and and I start getting into the flow and then I start missing things out and then I'll go back over it and realize that I've missed a lot of stuff out, which are valuable points, which I I like to share with you guys. And like I said, uh, while scripting this podcast, believe it or not, uh, one of my dogs, I left my laptop on the side and one of the dogs must have nosed one of the buttons and deleted it. So I had to go back, reformulate it and rewrite it. As you can probably tell, I'm a, I'm a bit of a night owl. So it's 10 to 1 here, Friday the 28th of January in London. Um, the podcast is due to go out in around seven hours. And as usual, because of the schedule I have, I'm just recording it now. So I hope it's going to be a good one. I hope you guys get some value from it, some information from it. And With everything that I give you guys just as a working tool, these things have to be worked on. It's not an overnight success. So whether we're talking about jujitsu, politics, whatever it is we're talking about, there are going to be certain tips or keys within that, that if you can work them out for yourself or add them into your life, you will reap the rewards and the benefits from that. Now, today's podcast is, I'm talking about eight simple tips to achieve anything you want in life. Now, that may sound like um, a self-help title. It may sound like something that you would read in a book or as an advertisement, but it really isn't. These tips that I use, I have spent the last, well, since 2002, applying them into my business, into my own life, and sharing them with friends and watching them benefit and value from it. So I hope it will bring some benefit or value to your life. So let me get into it. I'm not going to hang around for too long. So the first tip I have for you is focus on commitment, not motivation. Focus on commitment, not motivation. Just how committed are you to your goal? Now, when we talk about goals, we can talk about jujitsu. We can talk about if you're 
looking at becoming an entrepreneur, if you're looking at getting out of the nine to five rat race, if you're starting an online business, whatever it is, your focus or you should focus on your commitment to that and not the motivation behind it. How important is it for you and why and what, excuse me, are you willing to sacrifice in order to achieve it? If you find yourself fully committed to the, the, the job, the goal, the task, motivation will definitely follow. Now, in I always say this. In jiu-jitsu, if you want to get good at something, there are no shortcuts. You cannot just show up, um, walk in like a car crash, learn a couple of techniques and leave and think you have it. No, you have to show up and apply yourself. You have to be there. You have to learn the technique. You have to learn all of the details that make or break that technique. And then you also have to apply that technique, whether it's drilling or in live practice. Otherwise, you're never going to get the position. You're never going to get the technique. Now, motivation does come into that, but you have to be committed into coming to the academy day in and day out. It's not who's good, guys. It's who shows up and who learns. You can have no skill whatsoever, but if you're committed to achieving your goal, then you will achieve that goal. It may take you a little longer, but you will definitely achieve it. So that's my point number one. Point number two is seek knowledge, not results. If you focus on the excitement of discovery, improving, exploring and experimenting, your motivation will always be fueled. If you focus only on results, your motivation will be like weather. It will die the minute you hit a storm. So the key is to focus on the journey, not the destination. Keep thinking about what you are learning along the way, and what you can improve on. Now, as you can see from that statement there, that specifically can be inserted into dot, 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 dash, fill in those spaces with whatever you want it to be. You know, if you seek knowledge, not the result, you will always prosper. You will always get better. You will always have self-improvement when you're applying that to that task. So seek knowledge, not results. Number three is make the journey fun. Now, this is classic. Make the journey fun. You know, it's an, I always look at jiu-jitsu like um, the sportive side of it, like it's an awesome game. The minute you make it serious, there's a big chance it will start carrying a heavy emotional weight and you will lose perspective and become stuck again. Now, recently I heard of a jiu-jitsu practitioner who it was all fun, you know, teaching people, going around, parading up and down, wearing a black belt, being that guy until it was time to take on the business role. Because people th- look at, I'll give you an example. I'll use myself for this example. People look at me and think that guy's doing really well. You know, look at what he's doing, look at his Instagram profile, look at his academy. We just refurbished the score. Now, I've had that score since 2002, and that's going nowhere for a while. That's been through a lot of stuff, ups and downs and highs and lows. And the turnover of students we've had over the years is insane. But the journey has always been fun. The journey has always, um, I've always had it, 
you know, I had an awesome time with the journey. I've had an awesome time with the people that I've met along the way. But I still take it very, very serious. I take the training in the academy serious. I take the way that I teach very serious. I take the way that the students there conduct themselves and their behavior very, very serious because it's serious business that we're doing there. Now, I don't only look at the students that attend the academy as students. I look at them as potential black belts. I look at them as people that will eventually pass on the knowledge that I'm teaching them or the other instructors are teaching them. And then perhaps even some of them will own their own scores, you know, own their own businesses. So although it's awesome and it's fun and, you know, we have a great time, there is a serious undertone that goes with that. Now, this black belt that I'm referring to was teaching here and there and, and flying around. But, you know, I, I guess wanted that, that goal of their own school, their own business. But heavy is the head that the crown sits on. And some people are not cut out for that. From a distance, it looks easy. But when you're in the mix of a business which involves people, a multitude of people, a multitude of other things, you suddenly realize that, you know, wake up and smell the coffee. Not everyone can do this. And, and never was a truer word spoken. So make the journey fun. Um, number four of my eight tips would be get rid of stagnating thoughts. Thoughts influence feelings and feelings determine how you view your work. You have a lot of thoughts in your head and you're always going to have a choice of which ones to focus on. The ones that will make you emotionally stuck Example, fears or doubts, or the ones that will move you forward. Things like excitement, experimenting, trying new things, stepping out of your comfort zone. So all of these things will impact your thoughts and your feelings. And you have to get rid of stagnating thoughts. How do we do that? Well, for me personally, I try not to dwell on the negativity side of my own thoughts. Now, we all have them, no matter what we say, no matter how bulletproof we think we are, we all have those moments where we have these thoughts that we're like, oh, I just can't shake this off. I'm thinking about this. Or I'm thinking about that. But we can always try to get, get through that. And the way I've spoke about this before in one of the other podcasts, the way I usually do this is that if a negative thought enters my mind, I'll think of three positive thoughts to drown out that negative thought. Now, that doesn't mean I'm submersing it. It just means that I'm trying to think around it rather than to think through it and get stuck in a rut. So go back, check out some of our other podcasts. I, I talk a lot about that, about the stagnating thoughts and how I deal with those. So yeah, remember, thoughts influence feelings and feelings determine how you view your work whether that's jujitsu, your home life, whatever it is, try not to let those thoughts stagnate. Uh, number five, use your imagination. The next step after getting rid of negative thoughts is to use your imagination. When things go well, you are full of positive energy. And when you are experiencing difficulties, you need to be even more energetic. So rename your situations. If you keep repeating, I hate my work, I hate my life, I hate everything around me, etc., etc., 
Guess which feelings those words will invoke. Words, as we know, are extremely powerful. What we think we can put out there and it can materialise or we can become that thought. It's a matter of imagination. You can always find something to learn, even from the worst boss in the world or the most boring job. I have a great exercise for you guys to do. Just for three days, think and say positive things only. Trust me on that. Just think and say positive things. It can be about your work. It can be about yourself. It can be about your home life. It can be about any situation. For three days, just think positive things or positive thoughts and say positive things. See what happens. Now, you know, that's a bit like, oh, this is one of those things. No, it isn't. And it's a great way of reprogramming yourself, reprogramming your mind, reprogramming your, reprogramming your outlook on those things that we're discussing, whether it's work, jujitsu, your life, whatever it is. Um, now, I'm not a huge believer in, in, in the spiritual side of things, although, you know, I, I, I do take some stuff from there. But for me personally, that is one of the things in my eight tips that helped me a lot. And me and Andy were discover, uh, discussing this the other day and, and how, you know, the, PM, the PMA, the positive mental attitude helps us a lot because when you're in a dead-end job or you're in a job that you really hate and and you know this really kind of makes me laugh about people people always moaning like yeah I hate my job I hate this and I always say to them well what are you going to do about it what are you going to do about it? you've got two options you can sit there and procrastinate and hate your job for the rest of your life or you can leave but don't moan about it because we always have a choice. We always have options and we always have a choice to better ourselves or to get out of that situation. Now, we have one life and we all know that. And for me, I don't want to live my life miserable. Like, if I hate doing something, trust me, I'm not doing that. If I don't feel like doing something, I'm not doing that. And anyone who knows me knows that that's exactly how I am. You know, I'm, if I'm not feeling the vibe of something, I'm definitely not doing it. My time, my life, my energy, my thoughts are too valuable to, for me to place myself in any situation or, or anywhere that, that I'm going to dislike or I'm going to hate, hate myself for. So, yeah, there's no way I'm doing that. So um, use your imagination and, and try those things. See how you get on with them. And listen, here's a question for you. Oh, well, here's an idea for you. Let me know how you get on with them. Shoot me a message on, on Instagram, DM me, um, and let me know. Say, hey, listen, I heard this podcast. I tried this for three days. It didn't work for me, or it did work for me, or, or whatever it is. Just, you know, give me some feedback. Let me know if it works for you. Number six, and this one I take very, very seriously. I, I talk about this a lot to people. Stop being nice to yourself. Stop being nice to yourself. Now, motivation means action and action brings results. That's what I always say. Sometimes your actions fail to bring you the results you want. So you prefer to be nice to yourself and not put yourself in a difficult situation. You wait for the perfect timing for an opportunity while you drive yourself into stagnation and sometimes even depression. Listen, get out of there. Get out of that situation. Challenge yourself. Do something that you want to do, even if you're afraid. 
even if it scares you, even if it terrifies you, take the first step towards it. Take, you know, take that initiative and try to overcome that fear. I said last week about my daughter in this jumping thing and how she wasn't afraid to do it. She was afraid of what people would say if she failed. And I said to her, honey, listen, it's okay to be afraid. It's okay to have fear. But what it isn't okay to do is let that fear consume you. Let that fear not allow you to reach your full potential or reach your goals. That's what we're not doing. That's what we want to try to avoid. Now, when I say stop being nice to to yourself, I'll give you an example. Recently, I had something I had to get done. And some friends of mine were calling me up saying, hey, Ed, let's let's go out. Let's eat. Let's hang out. Let's do this. And, And I said to them, listen. I'm not doing that right now. Right now I have this and I, I'm focused on getting this done. I have to get this done. Now, if that means not going out and hanging out with friends or, or not going out and you know going to the cinema or, or doing certain things, then unfortunately I'm not going to do that because I value the work that I've invested into my business, into that project or whatever it is that I see the outcome being that I'm going to give that 110% of my time and everything else can come second. And, and a lot of people say to me, oh, you know, but you're missing out on this and you're missing out on that. I would rather miss out on that at that moment in time in order to get done what needs to be done rather than, oh, you know, I'll put that down and finish that later because that's the easy way. That's easy to do. And that's why that's where failure lives. That's where weakness is. That's where People who don't have a dream, don't have a goal, have never busted their ass. That's that's their excuse for everything. You know, I can do that tomorrow. For me, if it takes five minutes, I'll do it today. If it takes an hour and it needs to be done, I'll do it today. You know, and I, I have no expectations um, or, or no, yeah, no expectations for anyone else to do that except me. I need to do that and that needs to be done. So I'll do it. So number six is stop being nice to yourself. Um, Be hard when you have to. Be tough when you have to. And uh, get the job done. Get that task in hand done. Number seven, get rid of distractions. Now, I have a huge amount of distractions. Although I have a very small circle of people that, that are close to me, I have a huge circle of people that I know or acquaintances. And for sure, my phone is non-stop in the day. It's always going off. Something, problem, this, that, whatever it is. Um, and I'm very easily distracted. Very easily distracted. I've said this before. I'll start searching the internet for information about something. By the end of the night, I'm looking on YouTube at why giraffes necks are so long or some crazy stuff. I'm, you know, I get dragged into the rabbit hole of, of the internet and, and it's over for me from there, there on in. But get rid of distractions. Meaningless things and distractions will always be in your way, especially those easy. Usual things you would rather do instead of focusing on new, challenging and meaningful projects. Learn to focus on what is the most important. Write a list of time wasters and hold yourself accountable to not do them. You know, things like, like I just said, surfing the the internet. You know, how much time do do we spend searching the internet? How much time do you spend 
on that small device in your pocket, which literally is a window to the world. It's literally a window to the world. I get ping after ping after ping on my phone. And it's everything from news all the way down to people messaging me to Twitter to Instagram. You know, it's like everything we ever wanted is at our fingertips. And and here's a question for you guys, okay? Just while we're on the subject of distractions and, um, you know, having mobile cell phones in our pockets, when was the last time that anyone out there actually used a payphone? You know, one of those things that are in the street, they're usually in, in a red box. You go inside, there's a telephone, a receiver attached to a, a machine with a punch button. You put in... I can't remember how much it is. It used to be 20p. If anyone knows how much it is to use a, a payphone now, let me know because I haven't used one. I can't even remember when I used one, but I see them. I see these red boxes. Um, very few now, but they are in London. So if anyone use, has used one recently, let me know how much they are to use. I mean, I have no idea. And if you actually even use them. And while we're talking about the social media stuff, listen, I'm going to do a podcast about this social media detoxing and all the rest of that stuff that goes through it because I think that's going to be quite a good subject because I'm quite addicted to my cell phone Um, as I was just saying with all the noises that go off and and the sounds and I want information yesterday like we all do so so yeah maybe coming soon we'll do a podcast about that but number seven get rid of your distractions get rid of your distractions get rid of things that you time waste on, get rid of time wasting people. You know, I always say this about the academy, people come as pairs. And if one doesn't come, the other one doesn't come. Screw that. If, if I'm learning, it's my own journey, I'll turn up and I'll go to the academy. I I won't um, rely on anyone else to kind of motivate me to come. I'm there because I want to be there because I believe in myself and I'm investing my money, my time to learn that skill for me, not for anyone else. So yeah, get rid of distractions. Number eight, the final one is do not rely on other people. Do not rely on others. You should never expect others to do it for you. Not even your partner, friend or boss. They're all busy with their own needs. No one will make you happy or achieve your goals for you. It's all on you. Now, I just said that. Don't rely on no one. I said that when we were talking about getting rid of distractions. Don't rely on anyone to do it. If you want something done, do it yourself. That way you know it's done and you know it's done to the standard that you want it done to. So many times people say, oh, can you do this for me? And, and whether it's a loved one, a partner, significant other, friend, whoever it is, you go and do it. You come back and they're like, oh, you haven't done it the way I wanted it done. Do you hear what I just said? You haven't done it the way I wanted it done. Well, you didn't explain how you wanted it done. Everyone's different. Your definition of a clean surface is probably very different to mine and vice versa. We could ask 10 people. Each one of them would have a different idea of what it is to have a clean surface. So anything you want done, do it yourself. Do it the way you want to do it. And then it's done. And you know in your head you've done that to the best of your ability. Um. As far as expectations of others, I stopped, you know, expecting things from anyone a long, long time ago. 
nothing that anyone does shocks me or surprises me because I actually expect it to go like that. No matter what they say, to me anyway, no matter what they say, no matter with all the best will and the good intention in the world, something will go wrong. So I don't put expectations on people. And, and I'll tell you why. The expectations that I have are very high of myself. I hold myself accountable. I hold myself in the highest you know, regard when it comes to expectations, goal accomplishments, and I'm pretty hard on myself. So if I hold others to that, I'm going to set them up to fail. So it's best that I don't do that to people and they don't fail and I don't get let down. And we all don't fall out. It's much easier to do that. So that is all I have for you today, guys. That is basically it. My eight tips um, to achieving anything you want in your life. And you can relate this into jujitsu. You can relate this into your marriage. You can relate this into your relationship with friends and family, with you and your boss, into your work life, whatever it is. Try some of them. Let me know how you get on. It's not going to be an overnight success. And this isn't a motivational uh, episode. This is literally some tips that I use in my own life where I'm able to achieve more. And I've kind of narrowed them down. And this is over years and years of honing this stuff um, into these little eight tips that that I wanted to share with you. In summary, I would summarize like this. Get more aggressive with the things you want out of life and stop playing it safe. Okay, get more aggressive with the things that you want. Have a direct approach. Be intentional with your approach and make sure that you don't always play it safe. Okay, stop playing safe in jujitsu. Come in. Don't default back to the close guard. Don't default back to those positions. Acquiring new skills. Experiment with that skill. Use that skill. That's the only way you're going to get better at everything. Stop playing it safe. That's all I have for you today, guys. So if you enjoy this podcast, if you get value from it, as always, share it. Don't forget to follow me on all social media platforms. Um, I use the handle at EKBJJ. You can find me on many, many platforms across social media. Please send me a message. Let me know you follow. Don't forget to subscribe and like this episode and head over to our Instagram post. We're gonna, uh, we have an Instagram called at EKBJJ podcast and another one called at EKBJJ. All of those pics and posts and thoughts are my own. And if you like the podcast, I'm sure you like my social media stuff. Until next time, guys, it's been a pleasure. Stay safe.